0: Hello, uh, good morning. I'm in the house in LA, and I thought I would do a Facebook Live. Uh, We've had a lot of problems with sound, so before I start to uh, talk about stuff, uh, somebody please let me know that you can hear me. So I have to wait for a second for someone to pop on. Uh, So I'm pointing at my ear as a symbol of can you hear me? Obviously, this looks ridiculous if you can hear me. But please, there's 10 people on now, 12. Somebody let me know. Yes, brilliant. Thank you, Katie. I appreciate it. It's really frustrating. I don't know whether it's my mobile phone or something else. Uh, But I'm getting a new mobile phone because uh, these are becoming quite important to me. It's a real chance just to chat to people who I otherwise wouldn't meet. Um, And I really enjoy in the morning... uh, Kind of giving some thoughts before I get down to writing, because I'm writing a, a new book at the moment. Um, unfortunately, uh, my agent says, oh, it's very heavy and very edgy, and it's going to be hard to um, sell to an agent or to, uh, to a publisher. So I, I don't know what I'm going to have to do. Maybe I'm just going to have to hand it out on the street corner or something. But I'm very excited about it. I think the book is shaping up. I actually... um. I mean, I I wrote six books in a row, as some of you will know, um, and I I really had a sense of direction of where that was going, but after The Divine Magician, I felt that I needed to take a break, uh, go away and, and think about the next stage of my project, and it really took a year, maybe more than a year, and I did write a book in the interim, I wrote uh, like 50,000 words anyway, but it just didn't feel right. It just didn't feel like I had what I wanted to do. And every now and again, I'd wake up and I'd be like, I know exactly what I want to write. Uh, but that wouldn't um, stick with me. I would, look at, I would look at it a week later and I'd be like, no, this, this, isn't, this isn't the direction I want to go. So that has changed. And I have a really clear sense of what I want to do. And I'm going to be looking at uh, data, the absurd, Christianity, um, trauma, uh, and, uh, you know, kind of really building what I've, the work that I've done before, but hopefully kind of continuing to, to go deeper and wider with that, uh, because, you know, this is not just kind of intellectual stuff I want to play with. Um, that's why, although I, I love people in the academy, I never went that direction. I'm, I'm much more interested in ideas and how they work. So this new book, again, will be both theory, but also a technology of the self, uh, a way of uh undergoing personal and social transformation and you know the 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 task of trying to um uh you know bring positive change in our lives the lives of the people around us the lives of our communities so anyway there you go I'm writing away and Facebook lives are a great chance for me to just like throw out little tidbits so thank you for joining me um obviously say hi tell me where you're where you're watching from. Um, It's always fun to to see the the various places around the world um, that you're coming from. It's like we've got this eclectic community of people all over who are interested in some of these ideas. Um, What else has been going on in my life before I talk about the subject? Uh, You know, some of you, I was in Detroit. I love Detroit, very, very cool place. I am preparing for my last event of 2016, which is gonna be in LA. I've had a busy year. I've been traveling around, um, doing lots of work, meeting lots of people, and I wanted to finish off with uh, a weekend event where I live, just round the corner. So that's on the 12th of November. Uh, I think some of you will be there. Uh, my comedian, Elliot Morgan, is gonna be there. Uh, I might have you know one or two other people popping in. Uh, it's at a comedy club called Three Clubs. And uh, so if you want to find out more about that, it's on the 12th of November. Just go onto my website. There's about 10 tickets left. Uh, Hopefully they'll all be gone in the next like week. Um, And then so basically we'll have like 50 people uh, and we'll just kind of go deep into these kind of things. And also I'm getting ready to go back to Belfast. I head back to Belfast in December and my good friend, my great friend, uh, Jay Baker, is going to be coming too. He's going to spend a week in Belfast. Uh, So I've set up an event for him. He's going to speak uh, a couple of times. So if you live in Belfast or somewhere in Ireland, please do come up, um, hear Jay, hang out with me, and that will be really fun. So that's what I've been up to. Um, okay, so this morning I wanted to do a Facebook Live, and uh, I thought, I was thinking about the idea of trauma. Um, I was actually thinking about the, the, the elections, but that's a different, that's another story, um, but uh And this idea of trauma, I thought, okay, I'll I'll just um, reflect a little bit about what what trauma is, uh, how it functions, and how we can experience freedom from trauma. So in, in a technical sense, I want to define trauma as a hole that is punched into your being right? If you imagine a piece of paper and you've got a hole punch and you punch a hole into the paper, so the paper now has a gap. That, in a sense, is trauma. Trauma punches a hole into the core of your being. Um, Now, in a sense, there is a fundamental trauma that all of us experience that's part of being human. Before we experience traumas being done to us, there is a trauma that is life itself. And This is the ultimate trauma in a sense of uh, there is a point in your life where you're pre-subject object. There is no subject me and there is no object out there in the world. There is just a body of experiences. Maybe it's in the womb. Uh, Usually we think it it happens up to about six months uh, old. There is this sense of the child is pre-subject and object. Now this isn't some sort of new age kind of thing. It's, it's, It's just kind of commonsensical in a way that that the, to be human, to be a self, is to experience a subject and an object. The subject-object distinction. Now, the point when that happens, that is the punching of a hole into being. A gap arises between subject and object that didn't exist before. There was just this. So this... It, This breakdown of the world into subject and object, where there is a gap between the two, and we experience that gap, that is traumatic for the child. Paul Tillich called it ontic shock, but it's the shock of being. Shock of oh my goodness, I'm a human being, and I'm so I'm separate from other things, and it's it's kind of terrifying. And you see, you know, weaning the weaning process when children are are having to separate from their mother. You, you see the, the trauma of this. This is kind of a sense of, I felt like at one and now I don't. Um, now, as we grew, there are various other traumas that happen in our lives. Even if we grew up in a very kind of healthy and safe environment, there are traumatic experiences. Um, but uh, for many people, um, there are like severe physical, sexual Um, abuse, uh, they experience extreme poverty, um, extreme isolation, uh, they're mistreated and abused. And one of the things that happens when these are experienced as a trauma is that a person feels like something has punched into their being and made them broken or dirty or the experience of this profound guilt. Now all of these things presuppose um, a healthy state. So broken means you feel like you were at one stage not broken, and now you're fragmented. To be dirty means that you, at one stage, felt clean, and now you're dirty. Guilt means basically there's something has been taken away from you. You could have been something. So you know, guilt is the not living up to something. It's something has been taken from you, and now you cannot be the person that you, that you want to be. Right. All of these are ways of saying there is now a gap in the heart of your being. It's like when you're sick. You imagine when you were healthy. You don't, whenever, you're, it's, whenever I'm sick, I'm always like, I need to remember what it's like to feel healthy. Because, oh my God, that's such an amazing experience. <laughs> but then whenever you're feeling fine, you forget it. Like, it's, it. Feeling healthy is kind of what comes up when you're feeling sick. When you're feeling sick, then you go, oh my goodness, how I felt last week. That's what healthy is. I should appreciate that more. Um, in the same way, if you feel dirty, you go, oh, I felt clean last week. Wow, but last week you weren't thinking, I feel clean, you were just walking around. But now that you experience a sense, I feel dirty. It's like that... That was wonderful. Or broken means ah. Oh, last week I didn't feel broken. Um, or as I say, guilt. Oh, last week I didn't feel this weight of guilt. So trauma, in a sense, helps. Us, makes us feel like we are lacking in something. Something has has happened, um, and there is this gap in our being. Um, now, sadly, one of the one of the psychological rules as such is we want to try to well, this is healthy, well, we wanna get rid of this sense of lack. You know, fine, this gap, this trauma. But what we try to do is we try to fill it with all sorts of things. Sometimes it's revenge. Sometimes we pass on abuse. Uh, often people who have been abused uh, have this strong compulsion to pass that abuse on, whether it's physical abuse or emotional abuse or um, you know, attacking someone, destroying their reputation or their lives whatever it is, with this, this pain, this trauma in our lives, there is this temptation to pass that on, to think that we can get rid of it by giving it to somebody else, or we can fill that lack through something, whether it's revenge or religion uh, or drugs, um, alcohol, whatever it is, something can fill that lack that we experience in our being. In the core of us, something has been robbed from us. Something has been taken from us, and we can, we can fill that. Now, um, think about the trauma in terms of debt in economics. In economics, debt is the name for a nothingness that is something. If you have a lack of money, that's one thing. But if you have debt, that's another. There are two types of nothingness. So you don't have money, right? That's nothing. You you, you have a lack of money, but you have debt. That's a nothingness that is something. A debt is a lack that binds you to institutions that you don't like, that forces you to work in jobs that you don't want to work in, that forces you to to experience stress that might cause physical illness. Debt is a nothingness that is something. It is a lack that we feel that we need to fill. Um, And so when we say we want to pay our debts, we're trying to fill the lack. We're trying to put something into that gap. There is a lack of money and if we pay or someone else pays the debt, they fill that lack and it disappears. Now that's a fantasy for most of us. For most of us, we will never pay our debts. We will die in debt. The payment of debts is this fantasy that keeps us in jobs we hate, um, doing things we despise. For many of us, you know. Um, But there's a different way of getting rid of debt And that is not the payment of debt, that's the forgiveness of debt. Now, if you experience the forgiveness of debt, no one pays it, no one pays the debt, no one fills that lack. Rather, somebody says, that nothing is nothing. I am rendering that nothing, nothing. I am rendering that nothing that is destroying your life into a nothing that is of no consequence whatsoever. And I think this helped us understand what forgiveness actually means. Uh, To experience forgiveness is to experience the robbing of the sting of that lack that you feel in your being. To have experienced the trauma, to have experienced some sort of abuse, for example, and you feel this this lack. I can't be the person I would like to be. This person robbed my innocence. They robbed something of me. Instead of trying to fill that, finding some way to kind of like, you know, say drugs or religion or revenge or whatever it is to fill that, the experience of forgiveness is the experience of somehow, and it's very, very difficult to do, but the experience where you go, that lack, that hole that has been punched into my being is nothing. It's robbed of its sting. It's... It's not gonna drive me and dictate what I do. It's not gonna um, be there in my nightmares, waking me up in the middle of my dreams. It's not gonna be there always in the background giving me heart, giving me anxiety. The nothingness I accept. And in that, you actually rob it of its power. It becomes powerless. It it, it no longer kind of defines you. You know, it doesn't, doesn't dictate your, your life anymore. So in this reading, uh, trauma is the experience of a lack, a hole in our being, something which has made us feel, as I say, like if you feel guilty, it's like you're not living up to something. It's not a guilt of something you did, but you just can't help it. You just feel something. You feel like something's been robbed. or dirty. Again, you haven't made yourself dirty, but something makes you feel dirty. And it's because of a lack, a lack of cleanliness. Or you feel broken, which is a lack of wholeness. All of these are experiences of a gap, a lack. And the forgiveness, experiencing forgiveness for yourself or from others is to actually be able to rob that lack of its sting. Say that is not gonna define me. And in an interesting sense, all of us, this is the whole core of my work really, is that all of us have to experience this in some way. In psychotherapy and psychoanalysis, you're working with people who have experienced uh, singular traumas, things that have happened to them, and they need to go through this experience to find healing. But at a more universal level, and this is the paratheological approach approaches, all of us have to experience that as human beings to some extent. We are marked by a sense of lack, and we try to fill it, we try to pay it, we try to get rid of it. And that's what fuels so much secular and sacred religion That which says you can be whole and complete if only you have the right car, enough money, good looks, uh, the right religion, say the right prayer, etc, etc, etc. That's the payment of debt. But the forgiveness of debt is to somehow say as human beings there is something about lack that is part of who we are and what we are. And we can find freedom from that by very gradually coming to accept it. Okay, so there's some thoughts. Anyone got any questions or ideas or thoughts on that? Katie says, in Bali, they believe the child is not a human, but a god until six months old. That is fascinating. Wow. Katie, I have to look into that. That's really interesting. Um, Because, yeah, in a sense, from the, the way what I'm describing is that the child before six months old is kind of living what... Everybody who does new age stuff wants um, or mystical experience wants. You know, in one sense, the infant is in the experience of oneness. Uh, They are in the experience of this uh, type of nirvana that is pre-subject and object. And so at at around six months old, we, in a sense, the child becomes a subject. And in that becoming subject, they fall into humanity. So I, uh, I really like that. that that idea. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Let's see, what else? Wouldn't we call that shame, unhealthy shame, not guilt? Yeah, Tom, actually that's probably a better term for it, shame. Um, I'm using the term guilt only because in its technical sense to to feel guilty is simply the sense of I am not living up to something that I would like to live up to um, or I'm not being the type of being that I would like to be. However, I totally understand the term guilt has other connotations that I um, so shame is a much better thing. Um, uh, in a sense of it, it, guilt almost feels like you've done something wrong, but I don't mean that. Whenever I talk about guilt, I don't mean that someone's done anything wrong. Um, necessarily, you might have, you might not have, but for me, guilt is simply the, the anxiety that you are not what you would like to be. Uh, but as I say, you know, there's always problems with using words because it, this is a technical use of the word. Um, but I, so yeah, I think shame is is potentially a um, a better one to use. Um, why am I not saying? Oh, where are the comments? Ah, here we go. Sorry. Um, let's see. the people? A lot of people saying hi from. Various places, there's Detroit, South Bend, New York City, uh, Tyrone, Northern Ireland. Hey, Phil, how's it going? Um, let's see. There's North Wales. Okay, there's a few people from the UK representing. That's good to see. Grand Rapids. Oh, um, well, Lisa asks, is this an individual journey? It strikes me that this needs to happen in community. Exactly, Lisa, and, and actually that's... That's why at the beginning, I think I said like I was I was thinking this morning about stuff that's going on in America and American politics, and then it got me to think about trauma. I again I, um, I, I as I mentioned, you know there is a sense in which individuals suffer from particular traumas, and those you know we need help to get over those things. And there's various things that we can do. Sometimes we can self heal through love and friendships and. Good art and good music, and sometimes we we uh, benefit from seeing a psychotherapist. But um, my interest is in the universal dimension, um, in something in many respects, and then how that plays out in community. That communities have traumas, that whole societies and whole countries have traumas, and that if we don't look at those gaps. They become destructive, and we pass them on. So, in the US, for example, if you have a if you have an idea of your country as a city on a hill, it's perfect, it's great, it hasn't done anything wrong. You're ignoring these these ruptures and and this this this, this brokenness. You're trying to either you're either trying to fill it, well, we can fix it through a couple of little small things, or you're trying to ignore it. But there's a sense in which you have to know your history you have to in one sense face your traumas you have to go to that dark place and when you do you create healthier communities and societies rather than when you you hide it so yeah um i think this is actually the basis of creating a political uh, uh a, a political strategy um that, that goes beyond the the typical thing that we see today um Yeah, Tom's just doing some, some more stuff and shame and guilt. Yeah, I like that. I like that. There's Samuel. What's the difference between feeling guilt and having guilt? Is there a difference? Okay, the difference between feeling guilt and having guilt. There could be a difference there. I I The way I use, basically, Paul Tillich, I mean, he says there, He says there's like three experiences of anxiety in our lives. Anxiety is the experience of lack, the experience of nothingness. So in a sense, anxiety is always connected to trauma because trauma is a lack. And the three that he says is, I think it's anxiety over death, which is a lack of life. Anxiety over um, a lack of meaning, so dissatisfaction. Um, and a lack on a, of a certain way of being that you're not. So one is death, the lack of your life. <laughs> the second is lack of um, what you have. You, you think you could live a better life, you think you could have more stuff, you could be satisfied. And the other is a lack in who you are. Um, and the lack in who you are, the name for that is is guilt technically, in a technical sense, in a theological, philosophical sense. Um, and so feeling guilt is is having the feeling or the experience that, that somehow, some form of being that you would like to be um, it, you're, not, you're not living into that, whether that's been robbed from you or you've done something wrong. So you feel guilt if you don't give money to somebody on the street because you go like, if I was a nicer person, I would give money. In other words, I have an idea of me as a nicer person giving money. But also you can have this experience of anxiety if you know there's been some sort of abuse which prevents you from being able to love other people, to be sexually intimate with other people. And so in a sense, you're feeling like I've been robbed of, who I could be, you know, if, if that hadn't happened to me, I would not <clears throat> have these issues with intimacy. Uh, but so, but that of course, but there's nothing you've done wrong, but there's just this sense in which you're going like, there's something I want to be that I, that I cannot be. Um, and Seth says, uh, I'm not sure if you've read much of Gerard. But I find much of what you're talking about is somehow analogous to metaphysical objects of desire, uh, when you intri- when you attribute certain qualities to an object of which do not exist in reality. Okay, so Seth is saying so. There's a guy, René Girard, who's a b- absolutely who was an absolutely brilliant um, kind of like interdisciplinary thinker. I think he was an anthropologist, but all but huge in liter- literature and and in, in theology and uh, philosophy. And. Uh, you're saying, much of what you're talking about is analogous to metaphysical objects of desire. Metaphysical object of desire is an object that, that in one sense, takes on a sacred dimension. whether it's a sacred dimension of if we kill that object, we'll all be brilliant, we'll all be healed, or if I have that object, then I will be healed, right? So it's, it's, it's whenever a child wants a dog for Christmas, and you say no, and then the child's like, I really need a dog for Christmas, I really need a dog for Christmas, I really need a dog for Christmas, and they fantasize that if they have this dog for Christmas, they'd never need another present in their life ever again, that that's all they ever want. Um, so it it's becomes a, this kind of metaphysical object. Of course, until you get it, and then they don't feed it for a week, and you have to drown it in the bath. Um, I had a traumatic childhood, <laughs> um, so uh, when you attribute certain qualities to an object which do not exist in reality, yeah. So uh, I, yeah, René Girard's great. I haven't read him as in depth as I should, but the, what I've read of him, I think we're we're pretty we're pretty close, and um, all of that. Uh, okay. Um, by the way, like I feel kind of bad. Like this is not me doing my bells and whistles talk. i not. There's no pyrotechnics. I don't have Eye of the Tiger playing in the background. Um, I don't have like fancy cameras, or I'm using my iPhone, and I don't have fancy lights. And actually, as soon as I started this, they started mowing the lawn next door. So it's it's all very rough and ready. Uh, but I hope you don't mind that, and that this stuff is useful. Uh, at some point, I might look at actually doing this at a at a at a better level, but at the moment, I just love coming in saying hi, chatting about something and going so please don 't think that these random thoughts are um, my final thoughts on anything um, They are just provisional reflections as i as I write my new book um, so thank you i 'm just looking to see if there 's any more questions or thought, okay. I will leave you to it. Thank you for joining me in my room. It's Day of the Dead, I think. It's Day of the Dead. I mean, that's Halloween's a Day of the Dead, but I think in Mexico, the 1st and the 2nd of November. So I'm drinking out of my Day of the Dead mug. I do that every day anyway. I've got my Happy Reaper pin on. So I've even actually got a skull of uh, um, made up of butterflies. So I'm celebrating the Day of the Dead in my own way maybe next year i'll go to mexico actually i would love to do that on the day of the dead and see it see it in person so okay i hope you're celebrating hope you're enjoying life and i will uh, i'll talk to you again soon Bye bye